You're listening to Leafs Lunch with Julia Tusheri and Michael DeStefano on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. To the right wing boards, across the front, they score! A perfect pass from Marner to Yardcrook. He comes in front of the goal, Aston restores! A comedy of errors by the Flyers. Cross ice pass to the defenseman and a shot. Timmins scores! And Connor Timmins gets his first Toronto Maple Leaf goal and a two point night already. Comes out in front of the net. Tavara scores! The Leafs now own a three goal lead. It's five to two. Here's Tavares not able to shoot it. Got it to Matthews who scores! Austin Matthews is spotted by John Tavares. And it is a 6-2 Toronto lead, and this one is in the books. The Leafs beating the Flyers by a score of 6-2. Welcome back. Leafs lunch on TSN 1050. I say welcome back because A.B., it's been a minute, man, since you and I have sat here together and talked about the Leafs. It's legit. A month to the day was the last time that we were on the same exact show. I went on my vacation. Yep. I started after December 9th show, and it's now January 9th, and you're finally back from World Juniors, and we've been reunited. So a lot has happened, though. Like, the Leafs, it's, oh, been, it's a been, been a bit of a roller coaster, roller coaster like, since I left. It really has been, because, well, when I left and when you left, like, it's completely different. Like, at one point, we're sitting here really questioning the goaltending while you were gone, and while I, I was I just, gone, like, say was, like, I'm so glad that I missed that whole little minute. Where he had a little mini oh, meltdown. Oh, I was watching from afar. I was yeah. battling to get Leafs games on the East Coast, as a side <laughs> note. But I battled through, and I was able to get them. And I was thinking to myself, oh, gosh, I'm so glad I don't have to partake in that conversation. Over tomorrow. there, like, regionally, are they, like, Montreal... Sports region or Boston whatever region? channel it is east it's very difficult to get uh, to, yes. to get the leafy games but made it happen legally maybe right. <laughs> but, right. but uh i can't say that i was jealous and you know what i i was thinking to myself as i was getting in the shower this morning i was like you know the boys do mom was coming home and they had to they had to get their act together before I did and we've got a great show for you today to to kick off this reunion. Mike Johnson will join us in the next couple minutes. We're going to have uh not Olympic, World Junior gold medalist Dylan yes. Gunther join us at one o'clock. Mr. Golden Goal himself had a chance to play against uh another Mr. Golden Goal who you might be familiar with and Sidney Crosby last night and get I, I saw wet. I saw a picture of those two just having a stop and chat and and I could only imagine it's like guy oh, just trading golden goal stories or what like how many people could actually sit there with Sidney Crosby and trade gold it's like him briefly bland yeah. like there's like legitimately there's a small guys. handful of people Hill Thomas uh, like, him yeah he had a, overtime a, just makes it a little bit different who scored the, Ken Johnson I guess right? Ken Johnson yeah. from, from last year like there's only a handful of guys who could sit there and actually trade those that stories weird, for it feels Canada more almost like the golden goal was Mason McTavish it was more of a golden save and the then same. KJ yeah, went down insane. to the other side and that's scored. right that's right that uh, was crazy but the Leafs AB we'll get into a little bit of the world juniors madness with, with Mike Johnson 6-2 win over Philly last night the mm-hmm. night before it was 4-1 over the Red Wings uh, I think the biggest story from the weekend 
and we hit the halfway point, so we'll do some evaluating about that yep. a little bit later on in the show. The major story has to be the fact that both goaltenders who were having a, a little bit of a moment, each of them having their own respective moments, both pulled it together and each put together good respective performances. Yeah, it was nice seeing them both kind of stop their skid. You know, they they had together uh, a team low save percentage, like 852 save percentage over the last uh, stretch of games from December 15th leading up to the weekend. So it was nice to see them both kind of hunker down and, and, and get it done. You saw Samsonov had a really good performance against Detroit and really kept them in it in the first period because Toronto yeah. played awful in that first period against Detroit and then came out and, and finally got it done in the second and third. They were fantastic. And then the, the goalie on the other side, actually, Magnus Helberg, Made some really, really quality saves. Like that could have been a seven, eight, one hockey game if it wasn't for the tendy on the other side. And then Matt Murray comes out and says, "Okay, now I need to go out there and perform." And he did so last night with uh, with a nice victory over the the Philadelphia Flyers. So it's it's hard not to be dramatic, right? When when there were so many questions about this goaltending tandem coming in, the reality of the fat matter is that there's going to be ebbs and flows well, in goaltending. I, I mean, in I, the year. I, I think it's just more so the fact. And we talked about this a little bit last week. Was it? It's almost as if we may have a little bit of PTSD from last year. Oh, I like, was seeing it, online. What's well, the exact Russian same Jack thing. Campbell? I was seeing. I was seeing Russian the discourse. Jack Campbell. Wow. <laughs> but it's it's honestly it's, it's something that's in the back of your mind if you're a Leaf fan. So when you see things kind of starting to go off the rails yep. mid December into January, it's like, uh oh, we've seen this before. Like, can they get it back on track? And, you know, it's only one game each, so obviously uh, we can't sit here and say that they're back definitively, but a couple of good games hopefully gets them in the right mindset, and they got, you know, a couple days off, then they'll play Nashville on Wednesday, and I- I'm hoping that, uh, you know, this this will give the Leafs a chance to kind of reset their goaltending and be able to come out and, and you know, give this team some quality Quality starts because that was the big difference. You know, over you look at the course of the month, let's say, where you and I have been uh, not together, um, separated, separated by here, circumstance and tragedy. And goaltend the inconsistencies in net, I guess, have been the biggest downfall for the Maple Leafs because they were scoring goals, they were playing good defense, just weren't getting the saves, and they finally got some saves this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, saves. Goaltending was a bit of a topic of conversation at the start of the World Juniors, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously that conversation stopped in its tracks. And yeah. Milich came out and a became a part of Canadian hockey folklore. And our guy Mike Johnson had a had a front row seat to it all. And busy guy too, MJ. You go right from Halifax back into Colin Leafs games. How you feeling? Yes. Good afternoon, guys. Good to talk to both of you together. I feel like it's been a while since we've all chatted. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, as we've all been kind of scattered all around. Yeah, it was. It was a different kind of night last night in Philly because you're trying to plug back in the NHL and kind of check back in with the Leafs and follow what's going on with them and um, after the World Junior stuff. But before we get to that, guys, Avi, I don't know if you heard. You want to talk about standout World Junior performances. Of course, Connor Bedard is uh, <laughs> the forefront of everyone's mind. But there was another I'm episode. I'm so glad you of, went here. Of skill and dominant performance that <laughs> just eyebrow-raising talent that I witnessed firsthand, and that was our very own JT, dominating the TSN staff hockey game. Love like it. you would not believe. I had no idea she had this kind of game. Just slicing and dicing and end-to-end, coast-to-coast, finishing shots, top cheese. I was very, very impressed. I heard she sp- we get to split the, the D. Like, she's out there splitting yeah. the D. Uh, Listen, fearless. 
fearless. No equipment on. Doesn't matter. Just flying around. Borrowed skates. Borrowed sticks. It did not matter. <laughs> she is the natural. She's Roy Hobbs. That's who she is. Uh, this is hilarious. This story keeps evolving, and it keeps getting more hilarious. I think we have to get I haven't heard she scored in Michigan. No, that was Mike Johnson. And you know what? The worst part about that, MJ, is I didn't get that on film. Like It, it, it is a true tragedy that I didn't get your Michigan shootout goal on, on film. The thing about that, then, now I could just embellish how great it was, yeah. and no one can really dispute it. Um, just, just to let you know, you know what it was. It must have been the kid's stick. The funny part about the whole thing, AB, we had this kind of staff TSN game on the real ice. It was super fun to get out there, skate around, and just have some laughs. But nobody brought any equipment, so um, we were all wearing borrowed skates. But Team Canada gave us gloves and. Dicks. I could not believe it was cool. They nice. gave us game like you I get to keep Grant it. Clark. No, no. no. They didn't even but, bother giving us bedards. Also, they were like, we, well, "We're never getting no. this back. So <laughs> we will not be borrowing this." Yeah, so I used Brant Clark's stick and like, the, like just to try the different sticks and the flexes and stuff. Maybe for me, that's cool. Uh, as a former guy who used quite a stiff uh, stick, um, it was like it's, they're just so so different uh, using the new sticks. So maybe that had something to do with it. But anyways. It was a good time out there, and uh, yeah, we were JT and I were hanging out for the for the couple weeks. Well, I guess before we get into Leafs game, we can continue on to uh, some World Junior stuff because because you know it was the Connor Bedard show pretty much the entire time you guys were out there, and and he returned to the OHL yesterday. Four goal performance, six points, had thirteen shots on goal. Um, I mean, with the tournament that he had, MJ. Did he put himself into that generational category for you? That's kind of the conversation that everyone's having around uh, around the hockey circles right now. I don't think how he couldn't go into that conversation. So, like, you think about it this way. So, first of all, six points, four goals, 13 shots in a <laughs> WHL game. Like, that's obscene. Like, that's not supposed to happen. I don't care how good you are. But having watched him light up the World Juniors, can you imagine being like a 16- or 17-year-old kid in the WHL, you're playing for Saskatoon, and here comes Connor Bedard. Like, what am I going to do with this guy? Uh, you couldn't, like, the best players in the world that are 20 couldn't stop him, let alone, you know, a junior team. So, uh, but I think that is a frequent question, and it's a fair one about, you know, is he a generational talent? And now generational gets thrown around way too often for it to be generational. So, but I mean, if you look at the company he's keeping with his performance in juniors, right? It's Wayne, it's Mario. It's Eric. It's McDavid. It's like all the guys who only have one name who were generational players. Um, and he was better than all of them at that age. Now, I don't think he becomes better than all of them in the NHL, but I don't know how you can't compare him guys based on where he is right now in his career. Um, it's, it's amazing what he just did. Like, it's just crazy what he was just able to do against that level of competition. So um, I guess he's there. I, I, I don't know. I've been, I've been searching for comparables in the NHL, right? Like he's a bit of everything, trying. isn't he? Right, he is. So, like, people say Marner. I'm like, well, maybe because he passes really well and handles the puck like the way Marner does. But Marner is a passer first and not a shooter. Um, you know, maybe it's Cole Caulfield. Cole Caulfield's basically scoring at a 50-goal pace. Like, you could do a lot worse than Cole Caulfield. Yeah. Um, but it feels like, he, you know, he has the puck more. He's more a facilitator even though he has the same shot. I keep stumbling onto Steven Stamkos. Mm. You know, a guy who scored a lot, but also a great passer, played center and wing, did a whole bunch of different things, like who's going to be in the Hall of Fame. 
like some version of all those guys, and none of them are generational players, but all of them are super elite level players, and that's kind of the conversation he completely deserves to be in. Yeah, for me, when I'm watching him, the only thing that maybe separates McDavid from Connor Bedard for me is it doesn't seem like Bedard has that like that acceleration no. to break away. Like his speed isn't quite on the that McDavid level to allow him to really be that type. Of, but he's got the hands yeah. in tight, especially you saw in that Slovakia goal that can make him do things. But what actually stood out to me a lot about his game, which I it just it, he always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Every single rebound found his stick, and and I don't think that's by accident. It seems like the guy can read rebounds off of pads as well as anybody on, on planet Earth. Yeah, well, he's got like there's so many things he's gifted at, um, and I think his hockey brain, his ability to read, um, he throws more no look passes than Steve Nash in a game. Like every time he's going through the team, he's going no lookers. Like he knows where everyone is. He knows where everyone's going. He gets all of that stuff. He's playing chess out there when other guys are playing checkers, however you want to put it. Yeah. Um, and that includes pat, like rebounds, caroms off the board. Um, like I watch him play and like defensively, maybe like he oftentimes doesn't put himself in the best spot. He kind of plays passing lanes instead of bodies. But then when he picks the puck off like eight out of 10 times, you're like, well, I guess that's a good play <laughs> for him to do. Like it's, like, it's unorthodox, but he's so talented. It works for him. Um, yeah, there's a lot, a lot to appreciate about his game. And the fact is, I saw him in August. He is demonstratively better now than he was in August. That's only four months ago. So, you know, to see that kind of improvement for a guy who already is the best in the world at his age would make you feel good about where he's going because he's still not even close to a finished product. Yeah, such a treat to watch that guy over the past couple weeks, and no matter what he turns into in the NHL, uh, I'd imagine it's going to be fun to watch. Yes. Our TSN hockey analyst Mike Johnson on the phone right now. MJ, the Leafs sweep the weekend. While we were in Halifax, things started to get a little bit spicier around here with the Leafs, but they get it back on the rails uh, with two wins this weekend. What's your biggest takeaway from those two wins this weekend? Um, I mean, I think the sign of a mature team is, you know, kind of, even when you're not playing well, finding a way to get points and beating teams you're supposed to beat. And I don't think the Leafs played particularly great in either game, really. Um, but they played well enough to win, and they kind of problem-solved and did enough and figured it out um, that they were successful comfortably, and that's the sign of a really good team. I also think it shows that if the Leafs get good goaltending, they're very tough to beat. Mm-hmm. And, like, every, like there's, there's no team in the league, really, that can can get by with poor goaltending. No team is good enough to do that. Not the Leafs, not anybody, not Boston. Um, so as long as the Leafs get good goaltending, and they got it from Samsonov on Saturday, they certainly got it last night from Murray on Sunday, um, they're going to be just fine. And I think this is the only conversation. Like Basically, when, when we went to World Juniors, the Leafs started to struggle in their goaltenders. And, you know, we dig in the numbers, and we talked about it an awful lot during the broadcast last night. It's not as though... Since December 15th, when the Leafs started kind of started this mediocre run, they've played badly defensively. In fact, many of their defensive measures have gotten better. The goalies just have gone through a rough patch, which happens to just about everyone. Certainly not astonishing it happened to these two guys, given the years they're coming back on. But what matters is how long does that last, how quickly they can correct it. And it looks as though through this weekend, they're on their way to correcting it, which is 
which is what the Leafs need. And if you look at the season on aggregate, their goalie numbers, I think the Leafs would have taken where their goaltenders are at on January 1st and run with it. Like They've been as good or better than they could be expected to be um, given where they were coming from last year. I nearly fell off my chair the other day when I heard Brian Hayes ask you a goal, ask you a question, and use an expected goal statistic. Yeah, I, I nearly fell out of my chair. I was like, if O was on this panel right now, <laughs> he would have probably walked up and, and left. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really it's, it's nice to see the goaltending, I guess, get uh, get back to it. But they're also getting depth scoring. I mean, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about Kelly Yarncroft. Had a nice goal last night. He's got 11 points his last nine games since returning. From that injury just before the, the Christmas break. Leads the team with seven points and five on five in that stretch, six of which being primary points. I mean, how impressive have you been with his fit on that second line? And I mean, is he making a case to, to stick there? I of course you have to be impressed, right? Like he's come back and he's produced. Um, I guess I'm a little surprised just because like he's been a smart player. So why I'm not surprised. He's been a smart player, he's been versatile. And he's played with other good players and been successful. So that all would say, well, you go with Tavares and Marner, you know what you're doing out there, and you can shoot, you should be able to be successful. But it's not as easy as that. And he's never really done it before. He's never scored 20 in the NHL. He's never been a point producer. Maybe he never played in this role, but he's never really done it uh, like kind of a big picture for long term. So um, you have to be impressed. But this is why they got him, right? Like just a guy that can do a lot of different things at a pretty good level. Um, and, and add to versatility to their team. What he's doing, I don't know if it's saying he's there for good the whole year. I mean, you're not going to change him while he's on this role, but it shows like another option that they can use if they need to change things around. Um, and, and I think that's great. Uh, so, yeah, seeing him pick up points is huge. But I just think in general, like Engvall, all of a sudden is on pace for whatever, 15, 16 goals. Mm-hmm. And Comp is on pace for whatever, 13, 14, like all these guys that you're hoping to get the double digit, even strength goals are all kind of doing it now. And AB is starting to produce points. Yeah. For as much offense as the Leafs have, the defense goals and points was really pretty pedestrian the first half of the year. Five points against Detroit on Saturday for the Leafs defense. Morgan Riley picking up some assists. Couple goals last night. Um, also significant with a little girl the shorty and Connor Timmons stick tap to him first ever goal like that's a big moment for him he's been through some tough time injury and otherwise so um and he's got like randomly a lot of points they be this year 10 and 12 played that much 10 and 12 for a guy who's supposed to be a project uh, producing not like one so yeah I think that's a lot of stuff to kind of like about things rounding into form and we're halfway through the year. Now you can kind of extrapolate maybe point totals, goal totals, and they seem all a little little bit more normalized at this point in the season. Yeah, I was just going to ask you about Connor Timmons, who got into the game last night, kind of last minute after TJ Brody didn't draw in. Uh, we heard after the game from Sheldon Keefe, something new bothering him. Needs a couple yeah. days to recoup, Don't so like hopefully that all works out. What do you think the path forward here with Connor Timmons is? AB just said 10 points in 12 games. He's effective. Uh, he's been effective in every game that he's gotten in. Do you think the Leafs make an effort to get him in more games going forward here? I think he's probably played himself into the seventh defense spot ahead of Jordy Ben. That, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I think their top six is their top six, right? It's going to be 
Brody and, and Riley and, and Giordano and Hall and Lilligren and, and Sandine. That's established. But I probably now is is Connor Timmons. I don't think he makes it through waivers again, right? Like no. I think no. he he would absolutely get claimed. So you can't really send him the minors, which is good for Connor Timmons. Um, he's a right shot, which we know they need, and he is like the one thing he's really good at and has shown an ability to do right away is pass the puck. And if you play for Toronto, the pri- like, the primary thing besides defending for defenseman to be good at is passing the puck. And he's, and he's got a real nice feel for that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've been impressed. I think the Leafs have been impressed. I thought, they, I thought the Leafs figured you'll play a little bit, we'll get guys back healthy, and he'll go to the minors and we'll work with him. And maybe he becomes something. But he's fast-tracked that um, to, a, to a large degree. And so I don't think he's going anywhere now. And, he, and he'll be part of their plans the rest of the year. And he'll be part of their plans going in the future. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I've, I've been very impressed with what Karin Timms has done in such a short time span here. And to the point, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, MJ. And, and, you know, between the three, I guess, young defensemen on this blue line, Connor Timmons, Rasmus Sandin, and Timothy Lilligren, of those three, which one to you has maybe the biggest uh, ceiling of the trio there? Hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I think Lilligren is better defensively than the other two. Like that, I don't know if any of them have massive offensive upside. Ten points in twelve games aside, like they're all pretty good with the puck. But Sandin or Lilgren maybe feels like he's the steadiest defensively. Mm. So, um, but they're all kind of similar. They're all, you know, good two-way defenders. Not great at anything, but not really bad at anything either. Um, and you love to see multiple bodies that age, kind of on affordable contracts that you can help round out your your team with so it's a I don't think it has to be this guy is better than this guy or this guy is above this guy they're all kind of lumped in together and if you can add Tim into that conversation which he's probably not there yet um, like that is a great situation for the Leafs to be in uh, in conversation with Mike Johnson our TSN hockey analyst I saw in Jonas uh, Siegel's piece in the athletic this morning that Mark Giordano has taken the most penalties of any defenseman in the entire league 10 minors mm-hmm. in his last 15 games in that in that stretch I mean, could this speak to the tread on the tires from earlier this season where he had to play those top pair of minutes? Uh, I know that he said in the past he doesn't like coming out of the lineup. He feels like he he plays better when he plays all the time and plays a lot. But might it be best long-term to get nights off, especially on the second night of a back-to-back like last night would have been? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, you don't want to interrupt his rhythm. He prides himself on being in great shape and playing. But a little bit of load management, whether it's pulling him out of a game or whether it's, you know, cutting back his ice time, maybe he doesn't kill penalties to the same degree. Like, you know, I mean, there, there are other ways for you to, to ease his burden without necessarily completely scratching him from a game. Um, but I think that's something that is going to be important for Mark Giordano and, and the Leafs to figure out to get him at his best self because he's going to have to be good down the stretch. He's going to have to be good in the playoffs. And so whatever they need to do to make sure he's at his best there, they should do. But now with, you know, Timmons having an emerging a little bit and they have seven defensemen, Ben, maybe eight defensemen they can use, they can afford to kind of mix and match a little bit as they go forward um, and be mindful of, of his energy levels and, and, and where his game's at. 
Okay, MJ, I'm going to be kind of a downer. I don't know if it's downer. Austin Matthews okay. is an all-world player. Um, but this season, and this season, he's, he's is he leading the Leafs in, in points right now since I checked yesterday still? I don't know. Whatever the I case may be. I think Marner is ahead of him by one or two. Yeah. yeah okay, they're so the they're neck and there. neck yeah. in terms of leading this team in points. But uh, you mentioned last night, if it's not 50, it kind of feels like a down year just as a result of the standard that he set for himself and, and for fans over his past six or so years in the league. What do you think is different this year about Austin Matthews? Is it as easy as they're just not dropping the way that they were last year? And yes, last year, every time something went close to the net, it just seemed to go in and the opposite is happening this year. Or is there something tangible that you're noticing? Um, It's probably a little bit of everything, right? I think it's worth noting at this time last year, he, I think he had only two goals more, right? So like, you know, the pace was kind of similar. Now you can kind of explain some of that pace because of the wrist surgery and everything else. But, you know, he's not that far off of what he did last year. Now, I don't expect him to score 60 again this year just because the crazy run he went on last year. But so I think, you know, he's not that far off from last year. I think uh, there's been a commitment to team defense on the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe to a greater extent than years past. Stylistically, they evolved a little bit off a rush team into more of a cycle team, which can be a little bit harder to score goals on, even for the great Austin Matthews. I think there absolutely is an element of pucks are not going in yet. Like, he's creating a lot of chances, getting a lot of shots, and they are not yet scoring the way that he has in the past. And then the way that at some point this year he will, he'll probably bump up that a little bit. Um, there's probably elements of his own game where he's more focused on trying to be a good two-way forward as opposed to, you know, maybe just maximizing the offense. You put all of that in a big pot, you stir it up, and you're like, okay, yeah, so he's, He's a few goals off last year's pace. He's on pace for whatever it is, 43 instead of 60. He'll probably end up with 50-ish. Um, and he might be as good a player while doing so. And that, that's kind of the conversation that he's going as. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's all those different things. Uh, and I think teams are defending him well. Like on the power play, I watched, you know, we watched sort of power play goal yesterday. But, like, the power play looks he gets this year – JT is, are not the same. Like um, he's not getting the same quality or quantity kind of of looks this year as he has in years past because teams defend him too hard, which allows other people to be open. Um, so it's all those factors. It's never one reason. It's kind of a little bit of everything. All right, Johnny, we'll leave it there. Appreciate the time as always. It was nice for the three of us to, yeah. to get together and have a, another nice conversation. It's been a long time since we've been able to <laughs> yeah, do that. Seriously. So appreciate it, buddy. We'll chat again next week. All right, now listen, I'm getting back to my movie. Where are you guys? So I'm old. I have kids <laughs> that would have lost. I am Twilight on my hotel room, and I am like totally engrossed in it. Oh, that was like that was my favorite series of novels when I was in elementary school. Johnny, I got a, a terrible, terrible thing to tell you, and I'm so embarrassed oh, to say this I on air. I binge-watched the entire Twilight <laughs> series with my mother over the holidays, and I ended up staying up till 4 a.m. that day. Oh, I'm with my people. No shame, A.B., no shame. <laughs> I'm with it. my people. In fact, I, I, I haven't... Twilight, the original, the first one was just on. Yeah. And I'm hoping the second one follows it right up on like Showtime or something. I am going to... If it's not, I'm going to my iPad. I'm downloading Twilight for the plane right home. So, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, awesome. I can't help myself. I'm like a teeny bopper. It's terrible. Uh, it's funny. It's... it's the thing is, too, it, it's the cheesiest movies, but they just get you. They suck you. Yeah. They're 
They're yeah. actually terribly acted and very cheesy, but for whatever reason, you just keep watching it. Are you team? I'm roped in. Are you team Edward or, or team Jacob? MJ. <laughs> um. Uh, I like the I like the I like Jacob. I okay. like the kind of the werewolf. Huh? The werewolf. Yeah, I mean, I know he's not the star, but like I like the werewolf pack. Yeah. pack mentality. My coyote days coming back to haunt the show. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right, Johnny. Maybe right, we'll, we'll get the four one one on the rest of the series next week. All right, NJT. I'll see you at uh, pickup later tonight. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. There he goes, Mike Johnson, TSN hockey analyst, avid, avid fan of the Twilight series. Yeah, that was. Um, you know when you just have like one random night where for whatever reason you binge watch something on Netflix and yeah. it just, but it screws up your routine and your bedtime like routine for days because then you're waking up late the next day which means you're going to sleep late late that later I, I stayed up to like four o'clock it was my mother's birthday and that's her favorite movie of all time oh. favorite series of all time and she's like I want to watch Twilight I'm like okay so we put the first one on and then the second one comes on yep and then the third Naturally. one ends up, and then I'm like, Ma, it's, it's 1.30. Like, let's, let's shut her down, go to bed. She's like, I want to see, or I think it was like 2 a.m. You're going to deny her of this on her birthday? A- and then she's like, I, I got to see the wedding scene in the fourth one. At <laughs> least the wedding scene. And, but when all said and done, it was like 4, 4 a.m. Oh, that is funny. It was, uh, before we ended up hitting the hay for bed. So, yeah, Twilight's... Uh, it's Aw- happened to me with the Hunger Games. Awful, kind of a similar vibe of a of a movie, kind of a downer, yeah, but teeny, a teeny, teeny bopper, bopper stuff, yeah. major downer movie. You can't watch one of those, and you're you just get completely. I never got into it. the Hunger Games though. The, I never read this. Yeah. So it, it's the exact opposite of me. I'm more of a book per- person than a movie person. Mm-hmm. Never read the Hunger Games books. Just watch the movies. The movies? And I think I love. Uh, J-Law. She's J-Law? great. She's yeah, great. she's good. She's really, really good. All right. Uh, on the other side, JT, we got to dive into last night's game, or I guess the weekend games, where we're going to take a little bit of both. We got Stay or Go coming up on the other side. Dylan Gunther, the golden goal scorer himself, will join us in the 1 o'clock hour. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tasheri. We're back. Leafs Lunch continues next. Now, back to Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. This is a little weird, guys. I appreciate the thought, but it's a little bizarre. You guys got to put it in like, we're going to... Okay, sway to side to side. No, this doesn't deserve a sway. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'm typically the guy who gets into the music, but... I knew this was coming, too, because I saw it come up on the laptop beside me. I was like, you two weirdos back there are going to play that. (laughs) Uh, Lease Busters will get you out of your car lease today. It's as easy as pie, a piece of cake. Avoid penalties and early termination fees. Visit LeaseBusters.com. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch. Julie Tasheri and Mike DiStefano with you for the first time in like a month because we both took a couple days off for for vacay, and then I was was away for juniors, and now we're back. Um, We'll get to our stays and goes in a little bit here. We We put out a Twitter poll this morning true we we're getting into the year and we're back to our polls and if you guys have thoughts on this text us at 10 50 50 or tweet us at leafs lunch 10 50 but yesterday's game officially marked the halfway point of the toronto Maple Leafs season um and with that we asked what what's the biggest surprise about this leafs team to leafs fans so far and we we've had some interesting uh responses to that yeah, a lot some, of good ones yeah this person josh lewis at by josh lewis said their transformation into a strong defensive team 
even dominating when their defense was half injured. And you know what? I think we've kind of glossed over that, and TJ Brody will be an interesting storyline to follow over the next couple of days uh, with him missing that, that game last night yeah, in Philly. Yeah, some sort of new ailment. It, it was very vague yeah. from Sheldon Keefe, but it's the reason why he was given the day off, which allowed Karen Timms to come into the game. So it's it's nice that they have you know a player who they can plug in there if somebody just has a little bit of a, a nick and bruise and they want to give him an extra game. Uh, but the depth defensively this season, I, like coming into the year, I don't know if I I would have thought. Of course, I, I hoped Sandine and Lilligren would take another right. step. I, I don't know if I pictured Ben. Like I know he Ben hasn't been crazy. He's been injured, but when he's been in, he's been, he's been fine. He's yep, been effective. For, sure. uh, for me, that's Simmons, that's almost the biggest. Like when we ask about bigger surprises, I, I believe it's it's the depth that they've established and the guys who've taken those next steps. So like right. the Lilligren, the Sandine, Pontus Holmberg has taken a nice step and become a, a mainstay, I think, in this lineup on that fourth line. Um, obviously, Connor Timmons is involved there. So I think it's just the, the depth that they've been able to establish with those internal guys just stepping up and finding that level and becoming a little bit more consistent. Not It was a question mark that we had at the beginning of the year. And I'm surprised that so many of them have really kind of exceeded expectations and met those expectations at the very least to this point in the season. And overwhelmingly, that's the response that we've gotten from people yeah. online. Goaltending has been good, but I think the biggest surprise is how the defense has played. Even the defense have had every excuse to kind of cave in with, with Morgan Riley being down yeah. for so long, TJ Brody out, Jake Muzzin will be evaluated at the end of next month, so no Jake Muzzin in sight. And At the beginning of the year, you probably would have said those are their top three guys and everybody's kind of stepped up in their absence goaltending another response that we've gotten quite a bit of despite the little blip i think it's comfortable to call it a blip those couple weeks where the goaltending seemed to come down to earth and everything about the leafs seemed a little bit uh human for a little bit there those couple games this weekend were fairly reassuring and in, in getting people back on track with the goaltenders goalies are going to have overall it's been great yeah overall yeah. it's been a surprise too right like these were two guys who were castaways from their teams like castaways indeed. I, I mean matt murray uh, the leafs got draft picks to take on matt murray like they literally got some have him for an free. asset to, to take them on um would have preferred at a lower cap hit but that's no longer a discussion point i suppose and Ilya samsonov was literally just like non-tendered here rfa no thanks leave us says the washington capitals and they pick him up give him a 1.8 million dollar deal he he bets on himself and it's been a really nice surprise that both of these goaltenders besides the last couple of weeks as we had noted um have been great so far to start the least career so pretty much everything that we just said uh was pleasant surprises those yeah. are all pleasant surprises but we do have a couple in here that aren't aren't as pleasant oh, debbie downer uh oh, not super debbie downer <laughs> but pretty much all of the ones that aren't overwhelmingly positive in regards to the least first half of the season do have to do with Austin Matthews. And it's hard to knock Austin Matthews too much. He's got 47 points on the season. Uh, he has 20 goals on the season. Right, He got his 20th goal last night versus Philly. And, and any other guy in the league you look at and think, ah, productive season, good year, career year for a lot of guys yeah. in the NHL, the majority of the players in the NHL. Uh, not mean, Austin Matthews. Well, it's funny because Nylander is at, what, 20, 22 and Matthews at 20. And it's like, Nylander, holy crap, the season he is having, this is unbelievable. And it's only two less goals. And it's like, what's wrong with Austin Matthews? Exactly. And that's based on the... The expectations that we have on him, just based off what he did last year, 
Which is incredible. And the year before, and the year before, and the year before. I always yeah. note that because really last year was his first 50, it was his first, obviously, 60-goal season, but also Officially his first, hitting the mark, right? But he he'd been really on pace for like three hit years it. in a row. Yeah, if they had actually played full 82 games. Yeah. It really should have been like his third or fourth even, maybe? I think his third. I, th- I think it would have been his third because he would have done it in 1920, right. and then it was, so it got cut short, and he was just getting up there, and then also uh, in the 56... 56- Canada bubble year, and then he finally did it last season. Yeah, so uh, ultimately he, he's been scoring at this crazy pace for the past couple of seasons, and this is from our conversation that we just had with our TSN hockey analyst, Mike Johnson, and, and we'll react to it right after. So I think, you know, he, he's not that far off from last year. I think uh, there's been a commitment to team defense on the Toronto Maple Leafs, maybe to a greater extent than years past. Stylistically, they evolved a little bit off a rush team into more of a cycle team, which can be a little bit harder to score goals on, even for the great Austin Matthews. I think there absolutely is an element of pucks are not going in yet. Like, he's creating a lot of chances, getting a lot of shots, and they are not yet scoring the way that he has in the past. So, that is one element to it. They're just not going in. Last year, everything that went near the net was going into the back of the net. Uh, and that's just not the case this year. And that's going to happen, ebbs and flows, when it comes to the hockey gods and luck and, and all that Yeah, stuff. he was getting every bounce was going his way last year, and it seems like this season the bounce are going the other way. It's it's the law of averages. C'est la vie. C'est la vie. But I don't know if I subscribe to the idea that he's playing any better defensively last season than he is this season. Because mm-hmm. I think his... I, I agree that there's an overall team commitment to defense that has maybe found a new... New level this year with characters like William Nylander buying in defensively yep. this season and, and different characters. But Austin Matthews was leading the league in takeaways for a lot of last season. Defensive metrics were awesome, and we know that he scored 60 goals. So I don't know how much the the increased uh, defensive role that he's playing is is factoring into him not scoring. Because, yeah. just like I said, I think he was doing it last year. He, he was. I would say I think it's just the style of defense is different. Okay. I think the style and the deployment of what they're doing is a little different. Like this year, it seems as though um, they're a little bit deeper in the zone. Like it's fully everyone's in below the hash marks, like all the time. Yeah. And, and I think that might be it. Like it's, it's, you know, last year you look at the over the, the underlying numbers and yeah, he had tons of takeaways and stuff and played well defensively. But I think it's just a little bit of a different style that they're playing this season as opposed to last year. And it's been working, right? It's totally been working. But the other thing that MJ mentioned was they've been a team that hasn't been as successful off the rush. And I think it's by design. And this is a copycat league. You look at how the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Colorado Avalanche score a lot of their goals. Those are cycle-heavy teams. And that seems to be something that Toronto is trying to do a little bit more. And I wonder if that's impacting. Like, Austin Matthews was unbelievable off the rush because he's got a great shot. Yeah. But as a cycle team, you know, does that allow him to get that shot off in the more favorable positions? Because he's not as much like a net front presence as you would think. Um, or not as you would think, but like as, you know, guys who on cycle teams typically have those net front presence who are able to score from favorable positions. So I wonder if that's also factoring into it. Just kind of different style of of play, both in the defensive end and in the offensive end. Yeah. The other thing that he mentioned was that maybe Austin Matthews isn't getting the same looks on the power play this year. Yeah. Absolute rip on the power play last night. Just yeah. a gorgeous uh, tic-tac-toe moment. 
and then I think of guys like uh, not guys like because there's only one Alexander Ovechkin and last night I don't know why I put myself through watching a, a little bit of the Washington Capitals versus the Columbus Blue Jackets I don't know what had me doing that for a little bit of time last night but I happened to catch one Capitals power play in which Ovi didn't score, but he had two absolute rips from the same exact spot, and you know the spot that I'm talking about because oh, yeah, the entire office, world the knows OB the spot office. that I'm talking about. So I, I don't know, Austin. It, it, I'll say this: they've got you figured out. I'm, I wonder now that they've they've gone back to uh, Riley on PP one. Yeah, right. He ended up going. It was the Detroit game. They ended up sending Riley back out there. They were successful. They scored, so they went back to it in this Philly game, and also another power play goal. And that a big difference from the five forward unit to when Riley was in the power play was Austin Matthews' shot production. It did take a dip. It, it, it took a dip, and it's because there was well, there's just more options, right? More trigger men. They're moving around in different spots. Yeah. And now with Riley back, I wonder if we'll see that uptick again from Austin Matthews on that five forward on the on the four forward one defensive traditional power play unit. Right. Okay, so you and I are talking about this little decrease in scoring from Austin Matthews, but Uh, in terms of uh, how loud this market is and how loud this market could get, do you find it a little quiet just in terms of, yeah, this guy, the other day he was on pace for like 30, and I don't know how it changes on a day-to-day basis, but before the weekend he was on pace for... 39 goals. And yeah. I'm not saying that I think he's not going to score 40 this year because I, I, I think, think he's that, on pace for 40 now, right? He's got 20 and 41, so just times that by two, I guess. And wow, that'll get that him to 40. <laughs> Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> That's simple, simple math there. But uh, how loud do you think this would be right now? So this is kind of a chill story. Like the Leafs are winning, but Austin Matthews has been going to quiet. He's been okay. How loud would it be right now if the Leafs were on a slide? Oh, Matt, like it would be alarm bells would be ringing. So if they. If they lose a couple games here and Austin Matthews continues to be quiet, like it, I think it just gets – that's all I'm flagging. I think it gets loud yes. if they're not winning. Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing is like they're, they're winning, so it's not as big a story. But to your point, if they go and you know lose three or four games in a row and they lose like 3-1 – Two one four one, you know three two, and they're just not getting scoring from elsewhere. That's the thing too. You got a lot of other pieces that are scoring last that are keeping night, it quiet, what the heck? right? Like right? Lilligren was ripping from the point last night. And, when was the day you and I looked at one another and were like, who, who, who? When did Lilligren start shooting like that? <laughs> uh, he scored two in the game. I don't know. It was like his first game back was against Washington. Oh my gosh, when he had that two Maybe? goal performance. Yeah, it was his first game back, and and it was like, oh okay. That's nice. Didn't know he had that shot in him. And he took another shot last night that uh, found the back of the net. But yeah, like he scored. Um, you had um, Timmons. Timmons scored last night. Like Yarncroft. You had the fourth line punch in with a goal. Yeah. Like, so you're getting scoring from up and down the lineup. But also, like William Nylander has been a big time goal scorer since those guys have been together. So that that's also taken away some of the goals just because it's opening up Willie and and he's take a full advantage of it. So the fact that I think they're scoring coming from around the entire team um, definitely quiets things here because they're winning games. Yeah. And at the end of the day, and Austin Matthews, look, he told us this at the beginning of the year. We thought it was it was just posturing, but he said, I don't really care about how many goals I score. I'm committed to winning hockey games. And, I mean, Craig Button says it all the time. 
well, show me. Don't don't tell me. Show me. And I think the overall commitment to playing a two-way game this year and sacrificing some of that offense, and it's in the numbers, I think he's showing us. Like, he really does. I mean, it'd be nice if he won another Rocket Trophy, but he's been there. He's done that. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. And in his mind, this is the way that he could potentially win a Stanley Cup. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it because it's leading to success. Yeah. And ultimately, I still think he's going to end up with – 45 to 50 goals at the I end, think even he gets on this 50. pace. I like, still think he gets 50. Right. He's had zero hat tricks. He only has one multi goal game. I mean, Michael, Michael Bunting has a hat trick this year, so and weird. he doesn't have one. So it'll come. I still believe it'll come. It's been a quiet first half of the year, but going forward, I, I expect for things to kind of change. I mean, he could have had three goals in that game against Detroit. Yeah. He, he was fantastic. And again, uh, a couple of good saves by Helberg. Well, a couple that went wide, one hit the post, um, but he could have definitely had more goals. He's second in the NHL and expected goals this season. So, so I got to start dropping. They got to start Maybe dropping. Big at second some point. half. That's when things really started ripping off for that's Mitch right. Marner last year. So. Well, that's not something too, right? Like he had Marner, who's a, a facilitator that's a factor. last year. Get doesn't to. this season? <laughs> yeah. All right, we got to go though because we do got to get to stay or go from last night. Uh, so so we'll do that on the other side. Stay or go from last night's victory over the Philadelphia Flyers. I'm Mike DiStefano with Julia Tisherios and the Leafs lunch here on TSN 1050. This is Leafs Lunch on TSN 1050. The Leafs live here. Well, I suppose we should get going. All right, everybody, stay right where you are. Get the hell out of here. No, you stay here. You got to get going, so go. I'm sorry you came. Time now for stay. Nobody got a gun to your head. Or go. I'll be back. I want you to stay. Leafs Lunch is brought to you by Vanilla Visa prepaid cards available for purchase at Petro Canada. The perfect gift for any occasion. Welcome back to Leafs Lunch here at TSN 1050. Julie Tisheri and Mike Stefano with you for the first time in a minute. We're going to have World Junior Gold Medalist and Mr. Golden Goal himself, Dylan Gunther, join us in the next couple of minutes here as we wrap up the very first hour of Leafs Lunch. And the Leafs last night wrapped up the first half of their season with a 6-2 win over Philly. Uh, it was a convincing one, A.B., last night in, in Philadelphia, and we asked our, our listeners if, if they'd, or what the biggest surprise is about the Leafs through the first half of the season. And we were reading you guys some of the answers. Uh, if you have a response to what surprised you most about the Leafs over the first half, text it to us at 10.50.50 or, or tweet it at us at Leafs Lunch 10.50. We talked a little bit about Austin Matthews previously, and uh, wait, no, it's stay or go. Yes. I thought you were transitioning into that. I thought you were getting there. No, I wasn't at all. (laughs) I wasn't getting there at all. Let me be honest with you. Okay, so it's there go, right? So last night's game, I thought you were getting there from Philly last night, convincing win, 6-2. Here's some of the things that we like from the game. So let's start with some of the stays from yesterday, JT. That is hilarious. That's funny. Um, It's been a month. It's been a month. Yeah, I know. I haven't done Sarah Go in a month, and I forgot that it existed. Uh, <laughs> blue line offense in, in this economy. Very nice. It, uh, Mike John was, Johnson was so nice about it, saying that it was pedestrian, but it was much worse than pedestrian. I think yeah. that it was bottom two in the league at one point mm-hmm. in terms of, of offense from defensemen on any given team in the NHL. And, and that's vital come playoff time. You need offense from all parts. We've seen time and time again the way the top guys end up getting shut down in the playoffs. The game kind of changes. So you need offense from everywhere. So getting a couple goals from the blue line last night. Two points for Connor Timmins. Was it two? I yeah, think he got an assist on the first one. So yeah. nice to see 
the Blue Liners pitching offensively? Yeah, I mean, my, my state's just in general, like scoring up and down the lineup. You know, you, you had John Tavares, who had three goals, um, you know, on the weekend. You had Callie Yarncroft, who had uh, a goal last night, eight points total from the that second line, who's been unbelievable. The five-on-five production has been fantastic as well. And then you talked about it, the, the goals from the Blue Line. I mean, I thought Timothy Lilligren is another guy this weekend who played exceptional. Like, he might have been the best blue liner for the Maple Leafs on Saturday and, and Sunday combined, like, over the weekend. he's He's been great. Like, there was the goal, of course, but even you look at the numbers, 67% expected goals in the game last night. On the weekend, dished out six hits, had nine, was on the ice for 19 scoring chances, um, nine of which being of the high-danger variety. And he made a couple of nice defensive plays, too. Detroit, uh, he broke up a two-on-one. You know, you had Dylan Larkin on one play trying to gain an edge on on him and he kind of rubbed him out around the, along the boards there and separated him from the puck to create a, a turnover. So you know, I think Timothy Lilligren, his strong play, I, I want to see stick around and stay here. Um, a go is, I mean, a quick go for me. It's just allowing those response goals from the opposition. Like yeah. twice yesterday, Toronto had scored and on the following shift, uh, Matt Murray allows a goal. A- and this has kind of been a theme over the last couple of games. So, you know, allowing that response goal right after after you score, kind of killing momentum, that can go. That's that's got to be cut out of the out of the repertoire right now. Yeah, just letting a team back in it is is never ideal. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else do I have in terms of stays? They were so good for that first eight minutes. It didn't even look like they were playing the same sport. So the hot start was appreciated, especially after the slow one. Yeah, it was the it was the opposite. Yeah, exactly. Of, of what we saw in Detroit. All right, we got to fly because we got uh, Dylan Gunther who's going to join us on the other side. The man who scored the golden goal out in Halifax, uh, but. Keep listening to Leafs Lunch for your chance to qualify for Pro Lines between the benches seats for Leafs and Islanders on January 23rd. We'll be giving out those tickets in the next hour. Uh, Dylan Gunther to join us also next here on Leafs Lunch.